leads him to justice, leads him to, to righteousness. It's Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 10. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your written word that speaks to us of your truth. And we pray, Lord, we would hear from your word and we would let your word be our guide. That all the other influences that get, get gain our ear, that gain our attention, they would fall to the side as we hear your word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus loves those who do unrighteous things. Jesus loves those who do unrighteous things. Like Zacchaeus. Like me. Like you. That's really good news. Jesus is coming up. You know, you see the story there. Zacchaeus, short in stature. Could be that he's short Physically, could be that he's not well respected by the folks that are around him. And so they're sort of elbowing him out instead of letting the little guy through. So he's got to climb up into a tree, but he's interested in Jesus, very interested in Jesus. And you heard um, last week, those that heard Sharon, it talked about tax collectors and how despised they were. I mean, you know, as uh, I thought about this, you know how we really don't want the county to know the improvements we do to our homes. You know how that works. You don't want them to know that you you finished your basement, that you added a bathroom. You, you don't want them to know that because what happens? They find out and the value of your tax, uh, your property tax goes up, right? Well, that's what Zacchaeus did, except that's what he did regularly. He was sneaky. He'd look around. He'd see. Did you have a really good catch of fish that day? Oh, taxes go up. Did were, were the crops really good that year? Taxes go up. People despised Zacchaeus. He had turned his back on them. And he was benefiting off their work. And yet Jesus loved him. Jesus, Jesus wanted, hey, right, Zacchaeus, so Jesus, Zacchaeus finally makes up into a tree. Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus comes on. Zacchaeus, man, I'm coming to your house. I'm spending the night with you tonight. 
It's an, an explosion of grace. An explosion of mercy. An explosion of love then happens and Zacchaeus is found by Jesus. So Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus, he is the patron saint of those that are lost. Those that are despised. And what happens when they're seek, when they're, when he, they are sought and then found is an explosion of grace and mercy in which then Zacchaeus is transformed. Because Jesus doesn't, not only does he love those who do unrighteous things, but he transforms them. He transforms us then to generous justice. Jesus didn't come just to give us a get out of hell free card. He didn't, he didn't come, he didn't come and die and be raised to dead and send his Holy Spirit just so we get our ticket punched. He saved us. He's seeking us, those that are lost, so that we'll be found. And then we'll be part of a team, in a sense, part of the family business of the Father. Of being a community of people that are drastically different than the ways of the world. Being a community of people that live according to the justice and righteousness of God. that's, That's why he saved us, to be a part, to be the... Physical representation of Jesus to be the temple of God. Paul calls us the temple of God individually and together. And so with with Zacchaeus, he then is he encounters Jesus and he's transformed. Jesus didn't say, go do this or do that. It's just it is the response that Zacchaeus has. That's why every time that we gather, we put the giving call right after our confession and forgiveness, because as we're forgiven, as we're found by Jesus, it just unleashes in us this generous justice. It comes out of relationship with the living God. We're free to give to make things right. And we see that with Zacchaeus. Um, that he, he, half of his things he gives to the poor. Hey, I, I got at least twice as much as I need. So I can just give, I'll give half of it away. And then with the rest of that, he says, and then anybody that I've defrauded. So though he had no necessarily any obligation to give that, that half. But anything that he'd done to wrong them is just, hey, you're, you're in need. I'm not here. But then there, there was culpability. He, he, he was guilty. He had defrauded people. He had taken more taxes than, than really was rightfully to be theirs because he got a cut. You know, anything he took above what really they were supposed to give, he, he could just keep that 100%. And so then in him, he said, oh, so here, I'm going to repay anybody I've defrauded four times as much. Now, what's interesting in this story And this is what's the challenge of justice. Zacchaeus was joyful. Jesus was joyful. I bet the poor were joyful. But everybody else was grumbling. Everybody else was like, whoa, what does this mean for me? You're not taking my stuff. This is not fit, Jesus. You're you're not supposed to like people that do unrighteous things. You're not supposed to, to like people that, that act in, in this way. They, they grumble. Justice can do that sometimes. 
It can cause some people to get really happy. It can cause some of us to get a little uncomfortable and grumble. But this, this is the work of Jesus through his church to, to, to be a flower, to, to, to be an example of, of what is good and right and just because this is what reflects the very heart of God. That's why it flows out of relationship with Jesus. Zacchaeus enters in relationship to Jesus and then this flows. Well, because this is who God is. God wants all to flourish. And that's what justice is, is that all are given what is needed to flourish, to live into the fullness of life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Well, that, that includes that you've got enough food to eat. You've got a place to, to live, that you've got clothes, that you've got clean water to drink. That's the, the nature of God. I mean, the passages in Scripture, we could spend the rest of the morning just recounting these things that capture the heart of God. Amos 5.24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a never flowing or ever flowing stream. You know, it's not just a turn the spigot on, turn it, it, it's, it's like, no, this is who we are, this is who God is and what God's people are to be. Justice and righteousness ever flowing waters. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is required of you. He's told you what is good to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And then in James, the New Testament prophet, James chapter 1, 28, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James uh, hearkening back to what we, we know in the Old Testament, the prophets regularly spoke to that the justice particularly has eyes and ears and a heart for the what we call the quartet of the vulnerable. Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. The, those were the people that Israel had to keep their eyes on because those were the ones that were normally pushed down. They were the ones normally sidelined. They were the ones normally not seen or looked down when they were looked down upon. And God wants them to flourish. So he's regularly saying, hey, you got to lift these folks up. Be on your guard and look for who are these folks that are being pushed down by the ways of the world. And then Matthew 25 uh, one of the last parables that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Matthew before he heads to Jerusalem. Where uh, Jesus uh, tells a parable, yeah, they're like she- you're going to be like sheep and goats. And, and the sheep are the good ones, the goats aren't. And he- this is what he says about the, the sheep. He says, you-, you will be judged this way by God the judge. Matthew twenty five thirty five. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, 
As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We participate in this radical generosity, this generous justice and righteousness of of being sure all can flourish because when we are engaging with those that are hungry and thirsty and naked, those that are without clothing, without a home, those that are in prison, those that are sick, we're encountering Jesus. He says, you do it to me. It's not just an outflow of us. It is a way that we encounter God. That we encounter Jesus. It's what the prophet Jeremiah told to Jeroboam. He said, this is what the Lord, word of the Lord. Don't you know this is what it means to know me? To care for the poor and vulnerable in your midst. So the same thing that we want to pray in order to know God. We want to read the scriptures in order to know God. We engage in ministries of caring for those in our midst who are in need because we engage with Jesus. And we get to know Jesus in that. So this this is the, the very heart and character of God. So why we, if this is who God is, then we as God's people want him and his spirit to flow through us so that we do the same. Now, uh, my maybe my favorite passage um, that that really captures this is the passages about the jubilee. Now it's in Leviticus. I know that's a already some of y'all just turned off. Yeah, Le- Leviticus, and and it's the passage where they're talking about the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is every seven days you're to rest. You know, no work. So you can engage with God and, and be and recognize God is the one who does everything. And we, even if we do nothing, God's still going to carry out God's work. And we're they're supposed to do that every seven days. Well, there's also a Sabbath of years. Every seven years, they were to take a Sabbath of years and no longer plant in the field. And just let whatever grows, that'll be your crop for that year. And you have to trust God to provide. And that was the seventh year. Well, then there's every the seven, every seven, seven years. Okay, so seven years and another seven years, another seven years. And if I remember my uh, multiplication tables, seven years times seven is forty nine. So forty ninth year was the Sabbath of Sabbaths, Sabbath squared. The 50th year was the year of Jubilee. Leviticus 25, you can go read. And in the year of Jubilee, everything went crazy. All debts, all loans were forgiven. All all prisoners set free. And everybody's tribe, every tribe went back to their homeland according to what God had given them 50 years prior. Everybody did that. In a sense, it's like if you're playing Monopoly and somebody comes in and says, okay, stop. All the hotels, they go back. All the money, give it in. Everybody just get your starting 200 bucks. Get back at go. Now, start all over. That'd be really frustrating for a game. It's absolutely beautiful for life. I mean, can you see what that would be? 
That, that's God's plan of totally undercutting gener, generational poverty. That, that's God's plan of saying, oh, listen, you know, things are, people are going to make bad decisions. Things are going to happen. Things are going to get unevenly distributed. And no, after, after 50 years, boom, we'll stop it. Everybody go back. Because God's heart, God's not, not, God's not playing a game. God's filling people with life. Now, the key of that, the key, and I know that you're, you're already hearing that. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. This, this sounds a lot like things like reparations and affirmative action. Okay. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what you call it. My question is, is this the heart of God? Is this what God wants us to do? And if our reaction to things like that, again, I'm not saying anything about how to do that or that kind of stuff, but I am saying if our heart rejects just the, those three words I said, then we need to do a little bit of, well, wait a minute, what's God's heart and how do we pursue it? Eh, maybe it's not what we call affirmative actions or reparations, or maybe it is. But what's God's heart? Now, the, the key verse in this Jubilee passage, Leviticus 25, 23, th- this is the, the key thing. This is in the middle of God laying out the Sabbaths and this Jubilee. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity. And that means the land can't be sold to where I own it forever. Here's why. For the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land. Now, redemption was what Jubilee was, where the land went back to its original owners every 50 years. But the key thing here is that everything we have belongs to God. And God's telling them, you don't own the land. I gave you the land. Now you steward the land according to my heart, according to my desire, according to my justice and righteousness. Not yours. And, and, and not your family's traditions. Not your nation's traditions. Not your, the, the ways that you think according to me. Because everything we have is a gift from God to be stewarded according to the ways of God. And, the, and that's the freedom that Zacchaeus experienced when he was found. Oh, I thought all this was mine and I had to hoard it. I had to keep it. That I thought the game was to get as much as I could and to accumulate all that I could. To, that's how I win the game. And then he encounters Jesus and boom, the rules change totally. And he says, oh, here, I frauded you. Oh, you're in need. Oh, here. Because God's heart exploded in him. And like Stuart, my cousin knew, and like we know, in the end, that will be the case. When Jesus returns and all is made right, there is no more need. There's no more poverty. There's not even a need for jubilee, for it is fully jubilee. 
We are all in Christ, glorified before him, and we live according, perfectly according to this radical generosity. In the end, all will be just. In the end, all will be right. So never lose hope in God's justice. I know the hardest thing about this is that it just seems it's really easy in this world to get taken advantage of. It's really easy to try to be kind and giving and folks take advantage of us. It's really uh, hard. You're wanting to do the right thing, but it seems like the, the systems in place are just crushing any efforts that we make. That didn't seem to stop Zacchaeus. It shouldn't stop us because our goal ultimately we know we're, our goal is to, to serve God, to please God. He's the one that will be before one day. And we'll say, yes, Lord, here's how you worked in me, just like you did Zacchaeus. Here's how you, you worked in us. Yeah, you know, we, we do things like whiz kids. We, we do things um, uh, uh, with, to, to, like uh, IHN Foundhouse, to, to come alongside... Uh, children and, and families who need educational help to care for them because we know education... The ability to read is crucial for survival and flourishing in our world today. And we come alongside families who are finding themselves homeless for a whole variety of reasons. We we come alongside them. Yes, we want them to, to flourish. But ultimately, we are doing this because we know this is the heart of God. And we know this work is what is eternal. Because a day will come when Jesus will make all things right and all things just. And what we do that's in alignment with his purposes has eternal significance. There's an article in the newspaper today about John P. Parker. And John P. Parker was a slave, 1800s. He, uh, in 18, he was brilliant. He was a brilliant inventor, a brilliant iron worker, and he learned to trade as a slave in Mobile, Alabama. And then, but about 18, he had raised and kept enough money to buy his freedom. Now, I figure if I spend the first 18 years in slavery and I buy my freedom, I don't know where I'm going. But I'm going somewhere long, far away from any kind of slavery. You know what he did? He moved to Ripley, Ohio. You know where Ripley is? It's on the river. He's a, a river away from slavery. And he, brilliant, again, a brilliant iron worker, you can visit his house now. But he partnered with John Rankin, who's actually the Presbyterian pastor at Ripley Church, the same pulpit that Kurt Hopper, who's spoken here before, who's there now, speaks from, Dr. Dr. Rankin spoke from, but Parker and Rankin, they partnered together and actively, actively participated in the rescue of 500 escaped slaves. To then make their way out. He, he would cross over the river, carry them through the river, and bring them out. He, he saw, he did see some gains, but it wasn't full justice and righteousness was not attained in his time. But he gave himself to it. Uh, the other thing is, there's no picture. We don't have a picture of John Parker. I have no idea what he looked like. Because he didn't care for anybody else to see. Matter of fact, he didn't want anybody else to see. Because he did this secretively. 
And if people recognized him, he would be in, he'd be putting himself in danger and others. But we have no picture of him. But God knows his face quite well. Just as he knows mine and yours. As he knows the hairs on our head. Because that's who he was serving. Now, his family eventually actually moved to Norwood. And they were actually were kicked out of Norwood. Because their, fam, their, their house got, um, was regularly the object uh, of graffiti and other rocks through their windows. And instead of the community council rising up to protect them, they cited them for broken windows and made them leave the community. So, wasn't attained, but there were gains that were made. And we're in that same boat with him. Because we know the end. We know that God is just. God is righteous. God is generous. God desires for all to flourish. And and we, in his power and the power of his spirit, we get to participate in that same kind of righteousness and justice for God's pleasure and for our good. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks that you are good, you are righteous, you are just, and we are the recipient of your goodness, that you love any and all, even us who do unrighteous, unjust actions in our own selfishness, our own limited ability, our own limited generosity, Lord, we We know that you, though, are good and we want to encounter you and fall deeper in love with you and have you continue to transform us as a church. We pray your blessing on the work that that we that you have us doing and caring for folks who are in challenging situations, who find themselves in homelessness, who find themselves in need of educational support or different outreach ministry for whether it's food or whatever it might be, Lord, we, we pray you will continue to form in us that, that same reaction that Zacchaeus had, that same freedom that you brought with him. Uh, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. And Lord, we, we take this time as well. We pray for those who are in need of your, your hand and your, your touch. We uh, continue to uh, lift up um, uh, those, uh, Cheryl Merrihue and Jerry Federley, Tom Brinkman. We pray your, your healing hand upon them. And others, Lord, that you lay on our heart. We call their name out to you in our heads now and prayer thankful that you hear and Respond. And Lord, we pray particularly for our, our government leaders uh, from our cities, our towns, our counties represented, our states represented, and the nations represented. Lord, we, we know that you are the one who's called people to be in positions of influence. And Lord, we pray that you would be leading and guiding them according to the ways of your justice and righteousness. So that indeed all would flourish as, as you desire And as you've created us. We pray all these things. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.